We're walking through the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm going to read a set of passages on the theme of kindness. And since uh, the first verse there, Ephesians 2, verse 7, was kind of in the middle of a verse break, I'm going to start reading a little bit earlier in Ephesians 2, but then I'll read the other verses right off the screen. This is Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4. I'll read through 7, and then the other passages that will be on your screen. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And then Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then from Luke 6, 35, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And finally from 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Let's ask for God's blessing on his word tonight. Lord, we ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you through Christ, who is our rock and our redeemer. Lord, make our hearts uh, soft, as we've just prayed, uh, to your word. Uh, Help us, Lord, to hear, in some sense, a message that's very simple, and uh, something we may have heard many times before, Lord, in a, in a different light. Enable us, Lord, to have the grace of your Holy Spirit-led kindness. And we pray that, that this would knit us together as a body of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to understand this evening that it takes great strength to be kind. It takes a supernatural strength to be kind, as I was thinking of something that would embody and kind of incarnate or show you kindness, I couldn't get out of my mind and my imagination uh, an event that happened, I don't know how many years uh, ago, not too long ago, uh, which was, came to my, my remembrance, uh, a, another a church shooting uh, where a young man, 21-year-old uh, Dylan uh, Booth, went into a church and took the lives of uh, those who were there. It was a Wednesday night prayer meeting, not too, un- too uh, unlike the prayer meeting that we had this week. And what was so unsettling is he went in and kind of participated in the service as if uh, everything was uh, normal, not revealing to them, of course, that he had planned to take the lives of those who were there. And what was so remarkable to me was at one of his hearings, at uh, the, the event where his, uh, his sentence would be read, the family members of those that, of the lives he had taken were invited to come and to speak to him, given, each of them given a short time to address him. And these are the kinds of things that they said. I forgive you, uh, this is Nadine Collier, the daughter of a 70-year-old Ethel Lance, whose life was taken. You took something very precious from me. I will never talk to her again. I will never, ever hold her again. But I forgive you, and God have mercy on your soul. Uh, The mother of Tawanza Sanders said, We welcomed you Wednesday night in our Bible study with welcome arms. Uh, My son, Tawanza Sanders, was my hero. 
and may God have mercy on you. And very, very striking, this gentleman said this, I forgive you, my family forgives you, but take this opportunity to repent. Give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so he can change you and change your ways. And then no matter what happens to you, you will be okay. How would you orient yourself to someone who had done something like this serious and egregious against you? I think our, our age is very much in, in favor, our cultural context is very in favor of a general vague kindness. I remember coming across a t-shirt that said, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. And I thought at first, that's a decent slogan. But then I came away thinking, I'm not exactly sure what they mean. What do they fill out in terms of what does it actually look like to be kind? Uh, there was a practice, every once in a while I would hear a, a news story about a coffee shop kind of curiosity where one person would buy their own coffee and then also the coffee of the person behind them and then the story goes that the rest of the morning everyone bought the coffee for the person uh, behind them and that is uh, an interesting uh, kindness my cynical self said well only the first person was actually kind everyone else was just paying for one coffee but it just went down the line um, what what does God actually mean when he calls us to this Holy Spirit virtue of kindness what does it mean that the Lord calls us to be kind. Well, I want us to consider tonight then a definition for kindness, what it is, what it isn't, what counterfeit kindness will look like, and then second, why kindness is so important, and then third, how we can have it. What's the power and the source of our kindness? So first, what it is, a definition, what it isn't, a counterfeit kindness, and then why it's so important for us, and then third, how we can have it. What is the source and the power for our kindness? Well, kindness is a, a deed ministry. Uh, Tim Keller puts it like this. It's meeting concrete needs through deeds. It's not just saying something generous to someone. It's not just saying, I want to pray for you or tell me something to pray for you. This is something I am unfortunately guilty of. It's not just saying, I'd like to pray for you, but it's actually taking the moment to pray for a person there or remembering enough to go home and to actually pray. It's not just speaking, but it's acting in a kind way. James 2.15 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, one of you says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving the needs of the body, what good is that? A kindness embodied is acting in line with our intentions. It's wanting the good for someone and then actually doing something to act in line with it. It's noticing needs. It's an attentiveness to the needs of others. It's often coupled, we saw this tonight even in Ephesians 4, it's often coupled with compassion. The only way that we will be genuinely, in a biblically way, kind is if our hearts are moved toward others. It's a compassion or tender-hearted noticing of needs in others and being able and willing to move toward them. Colossians and Colossians 3.12 and Ephesians 4.32 both couple compassion with kindness. A very uh, tangible example of this was uh, being in seminary. Uh, all of us seminary students, most of us seminary students are very, very poor, so we're just barely kind of getting along. And I was driving a Honda Civic 1998, 
uh, with many, many miles on it, over 200,000 miles on it. And I was driving one day to where I was going to get my ride down to seminary, and white smoke starts to uh, come out of the engine. I knew that's not good. Uh, so I took it to the mechanic, and the mechanic said, it's going to be about $3,500 or $4,000, which in my perception was about $4,000 more than the car was worth. And so that was the end of that vehicle. And we had no idea what, what would happen next, Rachel and me. Uh, and one of our church members found out about that need, and the next Sunday night pulled us aside and said, would you like a car? I have a, an extra vehicle that I'm looking to get rid of, uh, which was just astounding and a remarkable generosity and kindness. The person not only heard about and noticed a need, but moved toward us with that kindness. It's finding out about a tangible need and moving with action toward it. Well, what's the opposite of biblical kindness? Uh, well, it's perceiving a need, but closing our hearts toward that person or saying no to them. First John 3 puts it this way, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we should lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us love not with words, not in, not, let us love not in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. It's actually moving toward, with our actions, backing up our words. Now, uh, many of us would not say about ourselves that we are Scrooge-like, uh, the Christmas Carol character. You remember in the Christmas Carol, Scrooge hates Christmas. Uh, he wants people to work through holidays, and he just despises the fact that they, they take breaks. His employee only gets one piece of coal to warm himself on Christmas. And when people come around on Christmas, you remember uh, seeking donations uh, for Christmas. He says, uh, what's wrong with these people who need something? Uh, aren't there enough prisons for these people? Uh, aren't there union workhouses? And the person responds saying, a lot of people would rather die than go to those places. And here is his response. I help to support the establishments I've mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. If they would rather die, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Um, again, not many of us would be outright in speaking a, a closed-hearted sentiment that way, uh, an unkind word that loudly. But oftentimes we do this through a kind of counterfeit kindness. We say, yes, I want to help you. Yes, I'm interested in your need, but we don't do anything to actually back that up. And again, this is very much my tendency. Uh, I can project kindness all day long, uh, but do I act in line with that kindness? Is there integrity to saying that we want to help? One author writing about kind of cultural kindness says, false kindness offers niceness and acceptance of others while putting on a facade of love. At best, it's a kind of bland tolerance. At worst, it's hatred with a smile. See, real kindness is tough. When you speak in a, a, a way of uh, committing to help someone, it's having strength and courage to then act in line with that kindness. Well, I want us to see also, as we define kindness here at the outset, who should receive our kindness? To whom should we be kind, according to the scriptures? And I think this is maybe the most difficult aspect of genuine kindness. This is what Jesus says to us as we think about loving with genuine kindness. Love your enemies, he says. 
Luke 6.35. Do good. Lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And the reason that he tells us to do that is so that we will resemble our Father. Our Father is generous this way. It says, then you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind, it says, to the ungrateful and the evil. One of the reasons it's often so hard for us to love with kindness is we think this person doesn't deserve this. I know this person. I know enough about what's going to happen if I'm kind one more time. And I just can't keep doing it. I know they're ungrateful. I know they don't deserve it. How can I keep being kind? Who are the recipients of our kindness according to the scriptures? Those who are ungrateful. And Jesus says even the evil, that's the one that the Father loves he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil i mean imagine the person who you know deeply to have done worst by you imagine the person who's made commitments to you and flaked on you imagine the person who has betrayed you in different ways who has treated you in very very difficult ways and this is the person the scriptures calls us to be most intentionally kind to and again, I think this is where we shrink back. This is, a, this is a, 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 a virtue the Lord calls us to that takes great courage. And it's so beautiful, the illustration I began with of these family members extending forgiveness to this person who completely did not deserve it. But when we actually know someone close to us, that the Lord is saying, you need to be kind to this person in an active and specific way. Our hearts pull back and we shrink away from that kind of genuine love. Real kindness is tough, it's committed, it's active, it's courageous, and it gives to those who do not deserve it. Those are the recipients of a biblical kindness. Well, second then, why do we need it? Well, kindness is a sort of bond. You could think of it as a glue that the Lord holds relationships together with. Uh, when there's a lack of kindness in uh, a family or a lack of kindness in a church or even in a neighborhood, relationships start to fall apart. Uh, in the context of these uh, fruit of the Spirit that we're covering, uh, it says right before that that there are, in the middle are a set of works of the flesh, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. These are all relational things that break down, and that happens when we are unkind. In some sense, you can be a patient, as we've considered. You can be joyful to some degree. Uh, you probably can't be loving, uh, but kindness absolutely requires you to be kind in a relational kind of way. So what happens then to these relationships, a family, a church, or other kinds of uh, social environments when we cease being well, you've seen it on a day-to-day -day level. Uh, it seems to be one of the things that I rehearse with my own kids over and over again. Be kind to each other. Say what's kind. Why did you act in this way that is unkind? And you know oftentimes what the answer is with your kids, right? When you say, be kind, why were you so unkind? Uh, the answer oftentimes in relationships is, well, they had it coming to them, right? The reason I had to hit them or I had to say this mean thing is they treated me this way. I had to respond in 
the same way that I was treated. And again, oftentimes we as adults have kind of trained ourselves not to say that, not to express our lack of kindness toward others. But if we dig down deep into our hearts, there's something there of the same kind of treatment of those who don't deserve it. It's very, very difficult for us to maintain the bonds of love. And it's so essential that we embody kindness uh, because the Lord loves us and holds relationships together through his kindness. Uh, C.S. Lewis illustrates this way that kindness is a, a kind of glue that holds uh, relationships together when he describes uh, hell as people slowly drifting apart. I don't know if you've read The Great Divorce, but he says this about quarrelsome people in a neighborhood. He, said, he says it this way. The trouble with these is that they're so quarrelsome. As soon as anyone arrives in this neighborhood and settles in some street, before it's been 24 hours, he quarrels with his neighbor. Before the week is over, he's quarreled so badly he decides to move. And in this kind of fanciful situation, people can just think about a house and it pops up and they move a little farther from each other. If by any chance the street is full, he goes further. And if he stays, it makes no difference. It's sure to have another fight and pretty soon he'll move on. And finally, he'll move out to the edge of the town and build a new house. And you see it's easier. You've only got to think about a house, and there it is. And then he gives the illustration of Napoleon, who lives thousands and thousands, hundreds of miles away. And he's kind of been muttering to, to himself about how unjust things have been to him. Uh, they have to kind of look at him through a telescope to see how far away a Napoleon now lives. And this is the truth about relationships in uh, families and churches and in any place where we live with each other. Kindness is a kind of glue that holds us together, and when we don't have it, we just slowly drift uh, apart. I was asked in my first congregation to uh, meet with uh, two people that over many years had been at odds with each other. Uh, and we walked through all the particulars. What did one person say to the other person? What's the history of this? And in some sense, the two of them, if you press them, when they'd done something wrong, they'd actually asked for forgiveness. They'd tried to kind of patch things up, and yet they were just completely at odds year after year after year. And what did they lack? Um, they really couldn't point to ways that they had genuinely been kind to each other. Uh, they had tolerated each other. They'd kind of smiled and lived around each other, but they hadn't moved toward each other in genuine, self-sacrificial kindness. And this is what the Lord calls us to. This is why it's so significant that we embody kindness. So real kindness is not just speaking, but it's acting. The recipients of that kindness are those who do not deserve it, those who have been ungrateful to us and even evil. And the reason it's so important is that genuine kindness bonds us together and holds together relationships. So I want us to close asking the question, well, how do we get it? Uh, this is a supernatural grace. In some sense, non-Christians display some form of kindness. There is common grace that God uses uh, to work in people to have some degree of kindness. But redemptive kindness, kindness that comes by the Holy Spirit, only comes when you see how unworthy you were of being loved by God. It's as simple as this. The only way that you will wake up day after day after day, and again, when someone tests your love, you will say, I will move to, toward you, not only with words, 
but also with actions. The only way that you're going to have power to do that is if you see, I was the ungrateful, evil person that God loved, not only in the past, but now. God has loved me over and over and over again in a way that I do not deserve. Listen to the way that Paul sets this up in his epistles. Titus 3, verse 3. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, hating others and hating one another. That's who we were. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And what did God do toward people who were ungrateful and unworthy? How did God act toward them? What should he have done? He is awesome and holy and just. He could have just wiped us out. He could have just removed us and destroyed us. Titus 3, verse 4 says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not by works done by us in righteousness. How will you move towards someone who the Lord calls you to be kind toward this week? Only as you see, I was totally unworthy of God being kind and generous to me. See, it's the, the neediest, most broken, sinful person who says, I know what I deserve before my father. I know what should have happened to me in justice, and I've been loved lavishly instead. Ephesians 2 verse 7, we read it, says this, the father displays in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The father doesn't just like to tell us about his kindness, he puts it on display and he, the modifiers in this passage just pile on the fact that he has shown the, the abundance the great immeasurable riches of his grace. It's basically saying you will never get to the bottom of God's kindness and love for you. You'll never understand it. You'll never be able to be more kind than God has been to you. Go deeper into perceiving God's kindness toward you. And then when someone does that thing again to you that you cannot stand, when the Lord calls you to demonstrate kindness to you, you'll say, I recognize that unworthiness. I recognize that evilness. I am just like that. And God has been kind to me. And where did the Father show the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us? He displayed it on a cross. Lord, the Lord Jesus doesn't merely say that he has good intentions toward us as his people. He doesn't just say to his bride, I love you with an everlasting love. He puts that love to the test and he shows his love for us as his people by going to be crucified for those who are unkind and unworthy. He says, this is what my love looked like. He says to those even crucifying him, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was known all through his ministry for the strength of his kindness. 
He makes appointments with people like Zacchaeus, who is a thief who takes from all the people around him and is not kind in any sense. And he says, I am interested to meet with you today. Today, let's go and have dinner together. He meets with a sinful woman that everybody knows in the city is the worst kind of sinner. And he loves her. And he forgives her and he accepts her and tells her, sin no more. Uh, but he, he demonstrates the riches of his kindness toward people like that and toward people like us. So as you ask this week for supernatural kindness to be able to love others, you must go first to the source of God's love for you. And amazingly, whether or not we see how much the Lord has loved us, he keeps loving, he keeps pursuing, he keeps pouring out the abundance of his grace and his kindness. And his kindness, it says in scripture, leads us toward repentance. So don't push away the love of God tonight, the kindness of the Lord for you. See that love displayed as Jesus didn't just talk about his love for us, but laid down his life for us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called his children. And this will motivate us not to close our hearts toward those who have genuine needs, but to open them toward others and say, I can be strong and kind because I have been loved by a Savior who is fully sufficient and has loved me with an everlasting love. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, it is uh, so tempting uh, to uh, be familiar or content with a kind of counterfeit niceness. And I pray, Lord, uh, in my own heart, um, in all of our lives, that we would embody a rich, rich, abundant, surprising kindness toward one another, Lord. Uh, that non-Christians, that the world would look at Harvest Church and say, see how these people are kind toward each other. And Lord, I'm so grateful for the kindness that's already on display in many relationships, Lord. Would you please increase that and help us to see, Lord, the, the great way that you have loved us every single day of our lives with a supernatural, gracious kindness, that we will never outspend you, Lord, in our kindness and help us to lay down our lives for each other in action. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.